Of Notre Dame's 23 commitments in the class of 2024, 15 of them officially start their college careers today with the start of spring semester. And which of these guys is the most approved this spring? That's coming right up. You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Irish, your daily Notre Dame podcast. Today is Tuesday, January 16th, and thank you for getting your day started right here by making this your first listen of the day. I'm Tyler Wojcik, and I'm the host. I'm a Notre Dame alum and producer covering college football for Fox Sports, and you can watch this episode as well as every other episode on YouTube or listen wherever you get your podcast. but no matter how you chose to tune in today, I'm grateful you're here, and all I ask is that you please subscribe if you have not already. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post a job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. All right, let's get into it. In just a moment here, I'm going to be joined by Lockdown's very own recruiting insider, Brian Smith, to talk about Notre Dame's early enrollee freshmen and what they can prove over the course of the spring semester. Plus, we'll officially turn the page to the class of 2025 and really do a deep dive into the 13 commits who are currently committed to Notre Dame's class. Then at the end, Brian tells me who he believes is the greatest recruiter in the history of college football. Check it out. All right, we welcome back Brian Smith, Lockdown's recruiting insider to the show. And Brian, before we officially turn the page to the class of 2025, I want to talk about the early enrollees first because today is actually their first official day as Notre Dame students and 15 players in the class of 2024 have enrolled for the spring semester at Notre Dame, which is actually a new school record since the university first permitted the practice back in 2016. Which of these freshmen do you think have the most improve uh, over the course of these next few months? Well, I think all eyes are on Kingston, Billy Amalasa. I mean, that's he's about as rare as it gets. 230 plus, can cover, blitz, everything, very intelligent, gets Notre Dame, spiritual. He's my number one. And I really don't know how somebody would rank somebody number two as far as impact freshman after seeing his speech at his signing day, seeing his film. I'm just going with the obvious. Don't don't be too complex, you know, keep it simple, stupid. Uh, the second guy, though, might surprise some people, and it surprised me. His junior to senior film was really, really improved, and that's Micah Gilbert, the wide receiver out of Charlotte. He's got tremendous length. He got bigger. He got faster. He got stronger. He's still twitchy. I think he's ahead of Cam, actually, in terms of just cast, uh, pass-catching ability. Not as fast, but he's a little more elusive. Um, I expect him to play pretty early, and that's a guy that Notre Dame fans need to get to know. I know – Notre Dame doesn't get a ton of North Carolina guys, but they've been starting to delve into that area. That, that is a big-time get. And then my third most likely to play is Kedron Young. If you want to watch a running back's film and just watch him bulldoze people, the first guy doesn't usually get the good end of it. I don't care if he's catching him full blow or not. And he played in East Texas. For those of you who don't know, East Texas high school football is the real freaking deal. Uh, those are the three guys that I think physically – Men are like they have the traits that you can't teach, and they play spots where guys can play a little bit earlier if they have special skills. I, I, inside linebacker can be hard, but they'll move him around and blitz him. They got, they got to get him on the field. So those are the main three. I've got a list of 10 that I think can play, but those are the three I think will play the earliest. 
You have a couple follow-ups on that. Let's start with Kingston because it, after the signing day press conference, Marcus Freeman said that KVA is the most ready to play at the college level. The one the one bit of advice I have for Kingston, I don't know if you saw this, a picture just came out yesterday. He's wearing Uh-oh. shorts around campus right now, and you're in central <laughs> Indiana as you record this. I don't know if it's just he does, he hasn't bought enough pants because he's from Los Angeles, but that's that's my advice. Uh, I know he's probably not listening to this, but hopefully someone can get in his ear and tell him to buy hey. a nice pair of pants. <laughs> like it's I'm not getting any warmer. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. He was also wearing flip flops too, and I was like, oh man, you've got a lot to learn, brother. <laughs> Letting him walk out the door like that in his door. What are they doing? I don't know. They need to, they need to get that figured out. But I do think that I, I, I agree with you. He has uh, a great opportunity to really prove himself during the course of the spring and then potentially earn uh, some significant playing time in the fall. Do you think um, that he is good enough to basically jump Drake Bowen in his freshman year? Because I know the staff is really high on him. He's projected to play a lot next fall. But then you've got a, a guy like KVA coming in. Do you think that uh, he will ultimately jump him this season? I don't think he will necessarily jump him because of two reasons. Number one, that kid's been through spring ball before. Knowing the playbook at inside linebacker is not fun in two years, let alone your first spring. Number two, Bowen could play either inside spot, and KVA probably could as well. So if, for whatever reason, if they ended up at any point this next season being the top two injury or otherwise, one will be better than the other. I would imagine you put Bowen as the guy that makes the adjustments just because he's been there longer. That's just common sense. Again, don't make it too complex. I know this is an old saying, but with KBA, I would just say, for the most part, see ball, kill ball. And that's, I know that's, just the way it is for some young kids anyway, they don't react well and he's a smart kid, but when a kid starts thinking too much, they make errors and they're going to try to run misdirections and everything else against Notre Dame's younger linebackers this next year. But at the same time, they're going to have insane amount of athleticism. It'll work itself out. So I think they'll package KVA though. You're going to see him blitz. You're going to see him stunt. You won't see him in a lot of read and react situations. It's stupid to put him in that. Why would you? And that's that's how you can get guys like him on the field, no matter what the other linebacker is. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel. And the way that coaches and even players talk about Drake Drake Bowen, they speak glowing of him. They say that he's a sponge, that he has worked so hard to learn the playbook, and now they actually trust him to call out the defense, which is pretty high praise because he was just finishing his true freshman season. And for him to have that sort of responsibility and the coaches – to actually trust him to do so. I think that says a lot about the type of player he is on and off the field. Your point about Gilbert was interesting to me because I think the conversation about Gilbert and Cam Williams has sort of shifted over the course of the past like eight or nine months, especially during the course of their senior seasons because Cam Williams was the five-star or high four-star, has a ton of speed like you mentioned, but then Gilbert was sort of the guy who wasn't necessarily rated as high, but then as people started to see more of him, they're like, wait a second, this guy's pretty physically developed. He could make an impact right away. What sort of role do you think he could have for Notre Dame this fall during his true freshman season? Gilbert, I mean, he could play outside or boundary because he's 6'2", 6'3". And I think he's a guy that you could run screens with. You could run deep balls. He's going to be a 50-50 guy because he's got really long arms. He's a tree. Why not? And like, I, I know this is mean, but it's not like Notre Dame's receivers have been real dominant here right lately. Okay? That was nice. That was a yeah, nice was, way to put it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, by Power 5 standards, they've been pretty awful. So they've got to prove that they can beat this kid out, and Cam as well. 
Saldate, however you say it, the other side, they got three really good receivers coming in. Now the question is, can they get them up to speed? And of course, you got the transfers, you know, Bo Collins, et cetera. You got some really good players. I don't know how they're going to line them up. And I doubt that Notre Dame knows for sure either, because they have to be able to play off of each other. Figuring out who that boundary is is my biggest concern because you're up on the line with one guy. It's usually a really good corner. If you don't have that, it takes away your backside 50-50 ball. When Notre Dame's been good, they've had that guy. I don't know who it's going to be. They got some candidates. Maybe Gilbert is one of them and competes for that too because he's 6'3". He fits the role. So I'd imagine they'll start him at flanker though because it's a little bit easier off the line. Some of the time at least, it's you don't get bumped as much. Let's talk about those transfers because Notre Dame has been extremely active in the transfer portal once again this offseason. They actually added two more guys last week in safety Rod Hurd out of Northwestern and wide receiver Jane Harrison from Marshall. And Freeman has emphasized before that his program will be built through high school recruiting and he's going to use the portal to sort of fill in some gaps and enhance the overall roster. But they'll never like live and die in the transfer portal like some teams. But how would how do you assess this transfer portal class as it relates to what Freeman is looking for out of transfers and the holes that existed on the roster after the last season? The only thing he hasn't gotten is the same thing that pretty much every school is looking for, and that's a plug-and-play left tackle. Yeah, There aren't any. Those are hard to find. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, here's what happens with plug-and-play left tackles. They do what the one at Notre Dame just did and turn pro. There aren't any. So I think for what they needed – this is honestly about as good as they could get. They got Mitchell kid that can fly. So you got an experienced flanker. You got DBs multiple. You've got the opportunity to improve your defense with Oban. They needed another defensive lineman, at least I think two. I mean, they're, they're ahead of the curve. I, I was hoping they'd be at this point by the middle of the spring transfer portal session. For the, those that don't know, I think it's the 15th of April and it runs through the 30th. That's the second session. They're going to have a very small amount of players they need based on what they have now. Now, we both know there's going to be more transfers. Of course. After spring ball, it's inevitable. Uh, the spring game will probably be like a day or two before that portal opens, uh, if I was to guess, somewhere like the 12th or the 15th. That shouldn't be as difficult, though, when it's a smaller number. Because let's be honest, Notre Dame, although they were nine and three last year, they could have been seven and five pretty easily. There were a couple like the Duke game they shouldn't have won, et cetera. They were pretty close on a few games. I think they got a little bit lucky there. The injuries weren't that bad, et cetera. They've gotten deeper with the portal and they just hit specific needs. Yeah, you and I have talked about and Friedman's mentioned, I want to build through high school, but he is like almost every other coach in America. He's got a problem he can't fix. Kids will not wait ever. If they're not starting in their mind by going into their sophomore year, I don't care what you promised them. I don't care how much they wanted to go to school there. I don't care if their dad went to school there. The chances of that player leaving at any position is extremely high. I think eight transfers is about the minimum anymore Notre Dame even is going to take. Kids will not wait. Yeah, that, and they have eight right now. I think they could potentially add more. And I'm, I'm with you on the left tackle. That does seem to be the biggest need left, but they are hard to find in the transfer portal. So where are you at uh, on Charles Jagasaw? He was really highly rated coming out of high school. He was listed as a tackle, but a lot of people projected him to play guard. And then he actually played guard at Notre Dame in his only action during the regular season. And then Freeman sort of surprised everyone when he said, hey, 
Charles Jagasaw is actually getting all the first-team reps at left tackle. He starts, he plays the entire Sun Bowl, and now as we start to shift ahead to next season, it seems like he's probably the most likely to start at that position. Do you think that's a good fit for him? I don't know because I need to see what his conditioning's like after an offseason. He got hurt last year, had surgery and all that other stuff. He's a freakazoid in terms of like straight on power block, do all that, but he's got more length than most guys that play at that kind of level at the guard spot. Uh, I'm not saying he's like McGlinchey. I'm not saying he's Quentin Nelson, but he, he's in that same profile at this stage athletically. I mean, Quentin Nelson redshirted as a freshman. We didn't even see him until his, you know, redshirt freshman year. And it didn't take long to figure out he was going to go to the NFL about 10 plays, but those guys are rare. Could he have played left tackle, right tackle? Yeah. But as a straight-ahead blocker, by the middle of his redshirt freshman year, he was the best guard in the country. So I would rather Jagasaw played left or right guard, but they just there's just nowhere to play him. So it is what it is. And, and let's be really honest. There might be two schools in America that has better O-line talent on their roster than Notre Dame right now. I, I'm not – you know, LSU, maybe three. LSU, Alabama, and Georgia would be the only three in that ballpark, just raw talent. And Alabama's not up to their normal par. So maybe just Georgia and LSU. So I don't really have any concern. They'll figure it out. And if your weak link is a guy that's going to eventually play in the NFL playing left tackle, I don't feel sorry for you. We'll be right back with Brian to go in-depth on Notre Dame's class of 2025, but I wanted to take this moment to talk about something a little more serious. I know we come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of real life, but can we just take this moment to talk about preparing for real life? According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. That is scary. I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than if one of my family members or friends got sick while a supply chain issue kept them from the life-saving medication they needed. Thankfully, They'll be okay because of Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, among others. This stuff could happen to any one of us. Visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com and use offer code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your first order. That's jacemedical.com. Use offer code locked on for $20 off your order. Let's talk about the class of 2025. Notre Dame currently has the number one ranked class according to the 24-7 sports composite, but that number is skewed because Notre Dame already has 13 verbal commitments, which I believe is more than anyone else in the country. Like most teams don't even have 10. So that's why Notre Dame is rated a little bit higher than everyone else. Why do you think players are willing to commit to Notre Dame so early in the process? I think it's a combination of three things. Number one, Freeman loves recruiting. He is the antithesis of a head coach. Most head coaches despise it with every fiber of their being and lie 100% of the time about that in public. They don't like to do it. He actually does. That's one. Two, he's hired a staff that if you don't kind of align with that, by and large, you're gone. And then third, they are targeting kids that are Notre Dame friendly. I just went through their class that they designed for 24. The number of private school kids they have is insane. There's only like one or two kids that are from public schools. I'm like, that's just a so-so school. That's it. They're all upper echelons. Like the environments they're from are more conducive just for a regular student attending the University of Notre Dame. So these kids, they've seen what it's like a little bit because the kid next to them in their calc class or whatever 
this is the kind of person that's like, oh, you're lucky. I'd love to go to Notre Dame. So it's a little bit easier to get those guys. And they target them early. They do a great job in the back office. And all those guys working together, it kind of takes care of itself. Big picture, what's your perspective on the class right now as it's currently constructed? I mean, there's nobody in it that I would go, eh. I don't know if I would have. Usually, even Notre Dame, there's one or two kids I'm like, okay, well, you know, they'll they'll contribute on special teams and maybe a third down package, something like that. They don't have anybody like that so far, and they have a lot of kids that I think will move up a position. Uh, the kid, Ree, for whatever his name is, from Illinois, he's 230 or so, but he's kind of long. He could grow into a three-tech. He's playing defensive end right now in high school, played some linebacker. It's kind of how Holtz recruited when he had Vinny Serrato as a recruiting coordinator in the 80s. It took a lot of linebackers, a lot of D linemen, and they just figured it out after they got to campus. That This class is kind of taking on that approach, and they've also got some athletes. They could, you know, they got some guys that can run. So they'll be just fine. The only question, like anything else, can you get the specific guy you would need at nose guard if you want one of those, something like that? You know, I, that's hard to say, but they're on track. And they're, they're in on kids in like Florida and Georgia and stuff that aren't easy to get. They're getting them on campus. You can't complain. I want to talk about a few guys in particular. And I remember a conversation that you and I had months ago. I think it was like at the start of the 2023 season. And we briefly talked about the class of 2025. And you mentioned how there's a bunch of D-line talent out of Chicago in the class of 2025. And Notre Dame needed to pursue them heavily. They just got a commitment from Christopher Burgess last week, the four-star edge rusher out of Simeon High School. And I felt like that was a perfect example of what you were talking about. So what kind of player is Notre Dame getting in Burgess? Well, he's about 235, 240 already. So I don't think he's eventually going to play that uh, from at least a long-term perspective. But he'll be a strong side end, possibly moving. Could be a, a guy that plays a little of both. A little bit like Young from this past class. And those guys are great. He has length. He has explosiveness. He's got power in his hips. I think he'll play at 270 at the college level, 265. You can't ever have enough of those kids. It's the, To be honest, it's the kind of player – that you would see Dabo go after, that you would see Kirby go after, and the now retired Nick Saban go after because they have flexibility in, in athleticism. He had offers from Ohio State and Michigan. That's also a very good sign. And he was pursued heavily. It wasn't like we just offered and just let it sit there. He was pursued heavily. If you can get those kind of kids out of the Midwest, and let's be honest, Chicago has not helped Notre Dame as much as it needs to. Too many of the kids just play basketball there. They're really good at it. They just don't play football like they used to in the 70s and 80s. So it's what I call the Michael Jordan effect, but it's just the way it is. So when you have one, you need to get them. Uh, they didn't get that guy in this past class. He ended up at Ohio State. Or excuse me, Miami. Committed Ohio State. <laughs> that was a wild recruitment. But they have to get the best Chicago defensive players when they can because it's hard to go in the backyard of Georgia, Texas, et cetera, over and over again, even when you're somebody like Marcus Freeman. Yeah, you and I spent a lot of time talking about the Justin Scott recruitment. I'm sure you did oh. with other people. I know I did a lot. So I remember when when he did commit to Miami, I, I couldn't help but laugh at the situation. It was like, you know what? It's actually kind of fitting that it would have just this one last twist right there at the end. But let's talk about Ivan Taylor. He's the top-ranked prospect in the class. He's the son of former Steelers cornerback Ike Taylor. As a Browns fan, I used to hate Ike Taylor growing up because he was so good, and the Steelers just dominated the Browns for so many years. But now – 
I'm ecstatic to have his son committed to Notre Dame, especially considering the struggles that Notre Dame has had recruiting safeties in recent years. So how good of a player do you think Taylor can be once he gets to Notre Dame, just considering the football pedigree and his family and his raw talent? He's a guy that I, I knew the head coach at his high school was like, hey, this is the kid you need to know about. He'd introduced me to him last year at Under Armour. They had it at his school at West Orange up on the north side of Orlando. And he looked the part. He looked like a kid that could run, and he could. And when I watched the film, I'm like, okay, let's see what he does this fall. And he was one of the better players in Orlando. He's a kid that has the athleticism to play in the slot. is a nickel. Playing with free safety, he's a very heady player, kind of like his dad. Helps to have that guy to kind of lean on for knowledge, I'm sure. And he's also a kid that doesn't mind the physical – you know, just taking on the beating that safety does. He's got the frame to weigh 200 pounds. He's not there yet, but I'd rather Notre Dame put that weight on than a high school program anyway. And he, he's got good ball skills. He has all the attributes you're looking for, and he's got good grades too. So I think Notre Dame did about as well as they could. And he's a kid that could have went to Florida. Anybody asked, yeah, he could have played at some of the big name Southern schools that you think of. If you get that kind of guy early, especially at a position Notre Dame is horrific at recruiting, not bad, horrific. How could you complain? I mean, he's a national top 50 kid by some people. I don't know if he's that good or not, but he's top 100 conservatively. Of all the prospects Notre Dame is still going after in the class of 2025, who do you think are the can't-miss prospects that the staff needs to land in order to have a truly great class of 2025? I'm not sure there's any one because they're so far ahead. They've exceeded my expectations. But, like, if they if they want to make a splash, I'll say Dallas Golden. Uh, he's, I'm familiar with him. I've known him since he's a freshman. Uh, when I used to go see Keon Keeley at practice, cause I lived in Tampa, I said, okay, is there anybody else here that eventually I'm going to be interviewing like you? He, he would t- immediately he'd turn and he'd point to Dallas and Keon didn't mince any words. He just told it like it is. So, and I looked over, like, you know, I said, he's a, he's a freshman. He's like, yeah, dude, he's a freshman. And I've known the coach there forever. And he's like, we're going to use this kid all over the place, but he's running back for safety corner. Doesn't matter. And his program ended up winning a state title after Keeley left with this guy being the dude this past year. So anyway, to make a long story short, when you get kids that are 6'1", 180, 190, they can run like a deer and hit like a truck, it's always good. The only problem is which spot does he play? Corner, receiver, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I just, just sign him. That's, again, that's kind of a Holtz recruit. They took a ton of Florida kids back in the day that flipped positions and stuff. Whatever Dallas wants to play, thumbs up. Notre Dame has had some staff turnover this season at some key positions on offense. Uh, Freeman hired Mike Denbrock away from LSU to replace Jared Parker as the offensive coordinator. And he also hired Mike Brown from uh, Wisconsin to become the new receivers coach. And I want to start with Denbrock because he's been around the program before. He gets the place. He clearly likes the place if he wanted to come back for a third stand. And he knows how to recruit to the university. How big of an addition is Den Brock just as a recruiter in your mind? Well, I think he's going to help with the away from recruiting aspect more than anything else because of what you said. This is his third stint. He was with Willingham staff. He was with Kelly staff. And now he's going to be with Marcus Freeman's. If there's a kid that is quote unquote on the fence, should we offer him or shouldn't, whether it's character or whatever, he's going to know. There's nothing worse than spending time on a player that's not going to help your roster and takes up a spot that somebody else that could have did. Uh, The second part, he's good in person. Uh, I got some stories on him on getting involved with kids and in homes and all that. He he can get it done. 
And he knows the West Coast. He did a lot of good work in California, et cetera. He obviously knows Louisiana and Houston now because that's LSU's hub. He's about as versatile a recruiter as you can get. So I'm not concerned about the numbers he gets because he's the coordinator. Uh, your, your amount of time for recruiting is not the same. You've got to be a closer as a coordinator, but he's been everywhere now. So he's recruited east to west, north to south. I think he'll be a bonus for Notre Dame in many different ways. Would you be willing to share one of those stories that just shows the type of recruiter, maybe even just the type of person Denbrock is? Because I feel like ever since he came back to Notre Dame, even Freeman mentioned, he's like, one thing that's really stuck out to me is how many people who aren't affiliated with the football program, how they speak of Mike Denbrock because they seem to really enjoy him. Um, I forget the kid's name, but he was the corner from Fresno. He was committed to Notre Dame at the time. A certain head coach that is now at Ole Miss and at one Mr. Ed Orgeron had him locked in a uh, restaurant, basically. And he texted Denbrock and Denbrock just showed up and sat down at the table. I'll let it, I'll let it go from there. That's that's awesome. What about Mike Brown? Because um, even if there were questions about maybe Chancey Stuckey's ability to develop, uh, he was a really good recruiter. And he was certainly an upgrade over the previous wide receivers coach. And in his two classes at Notre Dame, he was able to bring in um, some really talented receiver prospects, even if some of them may have left. Uh, he was a good recruiter. What, so what do you think about Mike Brown? This is more of what you would call the sure bet. And there's going to be congruent. I mean, he, he knows Denbrock. They work together. And he knows the Midwest. Um, I would imagine it's going to be pretty easy for him now that they've got some portal kids in. He can be picky with the class they just had. It'll make his first year transition pretty easy. It's also one of the reasons I didn't pick a receiver when you asked that question a little bit ago. They'll get a, a good receiver every year now. They, they're going to have enough talent. And, I mean, for the love of God, the quarterbacks they have, it shouldn't be that hard to recruit receiver now. I mean, Notre Dame's done pretty darn well. So I, I imagine he'll do well there. I still need to see him get a kid. I'm not saying he's got to get Jeremiah Smith, but he's got to get somebody to prove out of somebody else's backyard, because let's be honest, there aren't many receivers coming out of Indiana that have grades. Uh, there's been some good ones. Uh, most of them don't have grades. He's going to have to go out and take kids out of New Jersey. Uh, Plaxico Burris's kid. I don't know if you heard about him or saw his film. He's a kid that's a do. He's at, at DePaul Catholic. He's going to have 30 offers. Can you get kids like that? If you can get them, just get one a year kind of keep it rolling, Notre Dame will be fine. But he's a proven coach. With the time, and, and Denbrock having the Heisman winner probably not going to help a little bit with receiver recruiting too. So there'll be an assist there as well. Okay, last question. And this one is even specific to Notre Dame. So Nick Saban just retired. We talked about him a little bit already. He's going to go down as one of, if not the greatest uh, college football coaches of all time. And a big reason for that is he was one of, if not the greatest recruiters in college football history. You've been doing this for a long time. Who do you think is the best recruiter ever? It's not even close. It's Urban Meyer. Because he could do it in any capacity. Uh, he was the first coach that I started talking to when I followed Notre Dame and got in the business. And if I told him something, he always did the same thing. Why? He would take the information, package it immediately, and try to get that kid. Now, did not care what he was doing. Uh, there were times when he had to hide from Shelly because he was recruiting. Like they were on vacation. He is not a normal human being. I've never met anything like it. It is not explainable. It is Urban Meyer. 
That's a perfect answer. All right, we will end it there. You can follow Brian on X at FBScout underscore Florida to keep up with all the great stuff he does for us here at Locked On and elsewhere. Brian, I really appreciate the time as always, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Thank you very much. Today's episode is sponsored by FanDuel. The NFL season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, including live same-game parlays. You can also find bets in the new Explore tab or make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, which is actually the best way to find popular parlays and more. So last week, I gave out Browns minus two and a half against the Texans all week long, and obviously, that did not go as planned. So today, I'm not giving out a pick. I'm still licking my wounds a little bit after that one, but stay tuned later this week. I think I'm going to have more picks ready to go. We're going to keep shooting over here on the podcast. Visit Fandle.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. Fandle, an official partner of the NFL. That'll do it for this episode. Thanks again for making Lockdown Irish your first listen of the day. I'll be back every morning throughout this week. Plus, we're going to do another mailbag on Friday, so get your questions in now if you want to be included. Also, please subscribe on YouTube or wherever you're listening to the podcast. You can also give us a follow on social media. You can find us on X at Lockdown Irish. The Instagram is at Lockdown Irish Pod. And my personal X account is at Tyler, W-O-J-C-I-A-K. Same time, same place tomorrow, guys. I'll see you then.